you have to have a definition of success. If I could go back, there's, there's not many things that I would go back for, but. What do you do when you lose your purpose? It's okay to struggle. It's okay that you're not okay. I am your host, Greg Favaza. Together, we will go on a journey. This show is all about surpassing our internal dialogue, rediscovering your true identity, honing new foresight. We have a chance to make the world a better place for our children. Start living in the example today and become your future self tomorrow. If you can leave our viewers with some good advice to follow, what would you let them know? These things that you're afraid to do, go do them. We're tapping in to surpassing expectations from the most successful people in the modern day and honing in on new foresight, methodologies, and clairvoyance you never knew. This is your transformation station with your host, Greg Favaza. The, the, the military gave me this fire inside and lately I just feel like I've been struggling to keep it ignited. I'm pretty sure it's probably not so much the fire that they instilled in you as much as it is the fire that you already have that they helped draw out. You already have that power and that flair and drive. It's just that being put in that situation drew it out of you more than it would if you were like, a regular citizen. The situation that I've noticed, okay, I'm an introvert. However, you put me into a situation where I have men that are below me waiting to react to my command. I, com I completely 180 into an extrovert full of passion, anger, and frustration to deliver the very best I can be for them. And that is what is something that I don't understand because you want them to be able to obtain the frequency that you have got to, you want to draw out in them the same way things were drawn out in you, which still means that they have that fire in them. But in this scenario with you as a leader, you draw that fire that's in them up to the surface. And that is within regiment, it's in command, it's taking orders and following tasks. Nate, welcome to your transformation station. How you doing, brother? Um, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so what, what's, what's up with you? What are you doing right now? Right now, I am trying to find out where I'm going in life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously, I'm doing this podcast with you. It's really relatable. Like, what are we doing with our lives? I don't know, man. I feel like most people just go day to day and never think it through. Like, wake up and react to the day rather than planning it out. Exactly. That's what people do. They let things happen instead of making it happen themselves. Why do you think that? Complacency, 
it's taught through childhood up until school. You know, the entire indoctrination of the system is kind of why most people are where they are now. So it's like an industrialized mindset hasn't left. That there's still, it still carries over because it's enforced through school, such as we were taught to just obey, listen, learn, then go to college, then get a job, get married, and then die. Exactly. It just sounds miserable when you say it out loud. It is. It is. Um, it's what you make of it to a certain extent, but it starts even before school. You have parents, for example, that will transition the knowledge of the system that they were taught to their newborn babies, to toddlers, young children, before they even get the chance to go to school or kindergarten or whatever it may be. Keep going. Okay, so for example, we are taught from an early age that dreams are not real. So if a young child has a nightmare or a bad dream, it's put down to being the boogeyman under the bed or, you know, oh, it's just a dream, it wasn't real. But keep in mind, these are some of the most influential years of your life. It's when you're at the lowest frequency around that four hertz range and we're soaking up information and it's all coming from parents that have been fed through the system and a system through technology, through phones, tablets, TVs, um, that has become a surrogate parent of sorts to children because they spend so much time watching television and soaking up all of this information, not realizing that it's not organic and it's pre-programmed, pre-scheduled, pre-installed. Mm -hmm. It's all decoded and then recoded into, say, a child's show. And then it's broadcast and the child will soak up all that information, not knowing whether it's positive or negative because their young brains are too young and underdeveloped to process that right from wrong. So are you saying subliminal messaging in children's shows? Exactly. Can you elaborate on that? Um... I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a child show, but The Simpsons has, let's say, had its fair share of interest in the media over the last few years. Um, they predicted a lot, you know, obviously Donald Trump's presidency, the 9-11 incident that we had happen here in America, mm -hmm. um, AIs being installed into personal homes. You know, they've preluded to quite a lot of stuff. I can pick that up in a sense as far as indoctrinated of what our family values are, what our parents believe. How did you come to understand that is what's happening today in America? Well, here's the thing. Um, being able to and being allowed to are two separate things. Most children won't venture out because they're afraid of what their family, their peers will say. And when you're a young child, you have more fear of authority 
than certain people do as they progress through life. But when all is said and done, the child that's told not to put the co- their hands in the cookie jar normally are the children that end up doing it and have a face full of crumbs. I don't know if you're familiar with the D.A.R.E. program. It stands for Drug Abuse something. I can't remember the exact words. I have to look that up and then I'll enter it in the show notes. But the whole point of it is to teach children that drugs are bad. It's like if you smoke weed, you are primed to smoke other drugs. You will pretty much, the backfire was, well, they tried weed. Oh, I didn't end up homeless. Okay, so let's try, let's try some heroin. Let's try some, let's try some crack. <laughs> it, it just kept going. And they're like, well, fuck, they didn't plan that. So would it relate to what you're saying or is this a completely different topic that I'm going on to? So I think with drugs, it's subjective to an addictive personality. And it depends on why someone would use weed, um, would lean into whether they were more prone to or not to try other drugs of a harder, more chemical substance. Because let's face it, not everyone that smokes cannabis ends up being a method. (laughs) It's just not known. Plus, cannabis hasn't, as far as I'm still aware, ever had a recorded history of a death in human history. So, and obviously meth, cocaine, heroin, opium, all of these other things, they can kill. And they have. And they will. I think the tobacco industry is also fighting that. Well, it's not death from the cigarette. It's the cancer that it caused. (laughs) So by proxy, you're still killing people left, right, and center every day. (laughs) Doesn't change. Let's go back. You've said the child being brought up at a certain frequency. What do you mean by frequency? So when you are born and you're out of the womb, As you know, a child's head is not the same size as a adult head, which means, you know, the brain is softer and more vulnerable, I guess, to young babies. That's why, you know, people take extra care with babies over a 13-year-old boy, for example. Um, And with that, the brain, as it evolves and grows, gains mass as well as soaking up all this information. So I guess the frequency that I was pertaining to is when you are a certain age between one and four, you're around a lower hertz frequency range, um, like radio waves, 4G, Wi-Fi, um, and information that you process through the senses, you know, the smell, touch, hearing, taste, All of this pertains to what a child will learn. So basically, if they're exposed to the good things that those senses can pick up, then they're going to have a head start over someone who is born into negativity, Um, a broken home, uh, parents that are addicted to a substance of some kind, um, abuse, being shown certain things on television that aren't appropriate for that age range. But most importantly, I think it's what the child sees outside of the home as well, because that's another thing that they decode different than, say, someone of an older age, because someone that's, say, 13, that's been to school and been a part of the programming will see 
mainly the programming outside of the school, outside of the family home. It's pre-installed. Whereas a young child, they don't have that experience of the outside world and they haven't been indoctrinated yet. So they decode it differently than someone older. And when I say decode, I'm referring to the way they perceive things, the way they look at the world and everything in it. They look at the world in a more pure perspective. Something that caught my ear, uh, it was uh, not pro, uh, was Prime. It, it made me want to think of Prime. Uh, decode. Pre-installed? Maybe. These children are being primed for something. It's preemptive. Yes. Yeah. Now, what do you think people in society is actually being primed for? To answer some of this is to open up a real big hole (laughs) and it's kind of endless. So you have to first acknowledge the separation of self and everything else that isn't the self. So when you say what splits up a person's life pretty much from their true calling, you have, you know, for me, Nate that works at the store and it's Nate at the store. That's what people see. But the real self isn't even down to characteristics or the true self isn't the body I'm in. It's more of infinite consciousness. Now, yeah, again, I've been inspired by David Icke for years. And a lot of this I have picked up from him and... When I was younger, I really didn't understand it, nowhere near as much as I'm starting to now. And he described the lives that we lead as an experience. We are infinite consciousness living an experience. And infinite consciousness could be predetermined as energy, which is never created or destroyed, which kind of lends to reincarnation, but that might be another thing. But definitely what we do in life and those set milestones, you know, get a diploma, get a job, get a big house, nice car, have a family and kids. That is nice. And that's certainly something that is good and you can look into it. But the true meaning of life, and this is where it gets kind of dark, there isn't one. It is purely what you make of a miraculous existence that you've been thrown into because no one's ever asked to be born they just are but the energy for that existence is drawn from somewhere yes there's conception childbirth all the scientifics that you can apply to it but if you look so much deeper than what mere science and that alone has a lot of gravitas mere science Science is a base foundry for everything, pretty much. But if you look further than science and just, you know, an egg, a sperm, and, you know, contraceptive, not contraception, um, conceiving, then you really start to look way deeper, a lot deeper. Like the chicken before the egg, which came first? And... Still, no one really has a definitive answer to that, I don't think. <laughs> no, that is really interesting. And who is David Icke? 
David Icke is someone that actually was born and raised not too far from where I lived in England. I uh, can't think quite off the top of my head where it's from. It might have been Surrey, maybe, Norfolk. But I was born in Leicestershire, raised in a little town called Burbage. And I think this guy was like maybe an hour or two in a car away from where I lived my whole life growing up. So now it, it just took a wild turn. What are you doing in America? So I actually met a girl that I knew online, did the whole internet dating thing. And between her and my wanting to leave England because of everything that I had seen there growing up, and I felt like there was never really a good avenue for me to branch out into. Mm -hmm. Not many job opportunities, really not a lot of anything because all the manufacturing jobs were closing down because England had been in a recession for many years and there was there's just no room for growth there. So between meeting her and the potential of a life over here and my wanting to leave, that was kind of where that came from. Do you tell me you met a girl off Tinder? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it was Facebook back in 2013, 2014, I believe. To leave England. Yeah, the pursuit of happiness, <laughs> I guess. So you, you don't have any family here. You met a girl online and you just said, you're the one, I'm coming after you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was, uh, she actually came to visit England before we left. Wow. Yeah. She originally went to Wales and then came, um, <laughs> I say, over to England yeah, depending if you're Welsh or not, it's the same place. <laughs> but um, yeah, when we got together and did our own little thing and, you know, then we, I came over on a visa originally and then uh, transitioned through that, paid my dues to the government. Good old Uncle Sam's got to have his cut, right? And uh, basically here I am still living in America and all my paperwork's up to date. Don't come get me. <laughs> and we are all good. So wait, did you come here on a temporary visa for a little bit and then somehow had to go back and then the chick that you're seeing go back to England and then from there you decided to... So originally how that was meant to play out was I was meant to go back after six months and it never happened because we got married. Yeah. And in the state of Missouri, if you do that, it waivers the visa, apparently. <laughs> Just sounds like one big green card thing going on here, no. but it's not. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> let's rewind and let's, what got you into understanding how our minds pick up? No, no, no. What would that be? The frequency in our brains that is being delivered out. And how did you come upon this information? I think I figured it out at a very young age, probably around, dare I say, four or five. And basically what that pertains to was I looked at things different than all the other kids in my classes. And I'm not really sure why, but they were so focused on doing this paperwork and pleasing the teacher. And I would just sit there thinking about, all the things that I'd taken in the day before or 
you know, little things, you know, like out of the window in the school. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they labeled me as like special needs kid in school is they put me on a statement soon after I didn't really perform to their standard in the classroom. And uh, it kind of just snowballed from there. But I was never really into the whole, you know, being a part of the mainstream, even as a little child. I didn't really know what it was back then, but I knew it didn't feel right. And I guess everything I did from that point on was more self-discovery than letting myself be in a cog in the system. When you say self-discovery, were you something that that happened later on in life and you kind of just flowed with the system but lived in a different realm, per se? I sometimes think that I should thank the people that bullied me when I was a little kid, the other kids, because I think, you know, I don't want to give them credit or anything, but the actual stress and pain that I felt from being bullied physically and mentally, um, I think it distracted me from being indoctrinated into the teachings of the school and all of that kind of stuff. So. I would be more focused on, you know, getting through the day without a bloody nose as opposed to how well I did on a math test. So I was more looking into the if, buts, where's, why's of who I was at the time and why I was experiencing negativity. Because as a young child, I thought to myself, I've never done anything wrong or have I done wrong to these people? But like I say, I think that provided a massive distraction from being indoctrinated. Having the awareness that there's people out there that want to inflict harm on you brought those primal instincts to life. Yeah. And that's something that we don't really utilize in school. I think we can understand that as competence, just having a logical understanding about life based off our, our instincts far as how do we survive depends on what angle you look at it from similar situations that can lead to a likely outcome that happened in the past now in the present people that accuse often are the guilty well why would you say that for the self-reflecting their own i think partly yeah when people have a go at you for something or tell you it's wrong or they do something different to you it's their way because they have to believe it's right because to face a challenge of something else being more appropriate or more correct than what they believe do or say challenges them and most people aren't open to learn and when someone challenges you on a point or a lifestyle or whatever it may be um, most people are so stuck in that one wavelength of thought that anything that threatens it or can be perceived as something different will cause a defensive mechanism in people's brains where they just shut off from reason. And if you can go through life and take ridicule and take um, being evaluated and instead of getting angry at the people doing it, acknowledge whether they're a good person or not and if they are then maybe open up the mind and take that avenue of retrospective and their viewpoint 
and see if you can learn anything from it. Because most people are so shut off from anything that isn't their own brain and their own thoughts. That's the people that go through life living those milestones that are pre-scripted and they are the ones that die alone and unhappy because they never figured out themselves and only the system that was put there to bloody enslave them. <laughs> it's crazy. It's 100% right. Because if you were to challenge somebody, let's say I have another lens you could try to view the situation at. They won't even accept the, that there's a possibility that they're wrong. It's like if you have two apartment blocks and they face each other across the street and you see the same faces in the same windows every day, they don't know your life and you don't know theirs, but you see them every day. Um, that's as far as most people will go compared to taking criticism. But really, if you just walk out of your apartment, you can go over there and talk to them. And that would be the equivalent of taking criticism or a different way of living or doing something and learning from what someone else gives you with information, as opposed to sitting in that apartment and staring over the road at that person, as opposed to leaving the apartment and going and talking to them. It's like you can see everything, but most people are too shut off to engage. It seems like no, everybody is forced to do something, but nobody is willing to step outside their own comfort zone. It's mandated. I mean, if you don't complete homework, you get detention. If you get detention, your parents are annoyed. If your parents are annoyed, you lose a game or a toy as a young child. And, you know, the repercussions that are thought through by some children are purely selfish but it's because they realize what's going on. I realized from a very young age that if I didn't do or meet a certain expectation in school, I wouldn't get to play a certain game that night or I wouldn't even get to eat a meal most nights. Um, that's the kind of household I grew up in. But uh, yeah, people will react based on what they think and feel what happens when you as an individual look outside of that? And, and I guess pertaining to that child in school, it would be, you know, will my parents be proud? Will the teacher acknowledge me? Will my peers acknowledge me? And ultimately, the, the ones that get the full indoctrination are the ones that go with that process of, oh, what does everyone else think of me and what I'm doing? When really, it's what matters to you and you know yourself. It's like people say, don't care about what Joey down the street thinks of you, care what you think of you and what the people nearest to you think of you. And no, that doesn't mean you can't go out and make new friends and meet people. But at a certain point, you have to not worry about the world and what it thinks of you and how it sees you and more how you see the world if that makes any sense. It's all starting to make a picture of when we originally started out, children being a blank canvas, all their parents' values passed down onto them, whether they want that or not, is based off that 
indoctrination. That's the beginning process. The moment they have the self-realization to know that they're worth more and can do more, most people find that when they're at the lowest place in life and they will question, why am I here? What am I doing? Where will I end up? It's kind of like how people in an interview will say, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Um, They're talking about the system, the construct in the workplace. The real self-discovery of where you'll be years to come can only be unlocked through your own self-realization. And I think a part of that is revisiting past events Um, looking at where you are currently and having that movement, that plan, that regime to progress further as an individual. Because I have so many, there's so many things that are going through my head that I want to take this. As far as we reach self-actualization between age 35 to 45 or even never. And that's for somebody who takes the appropriate steps to learn their own image that they carry and also who others perceive them as. Because what we think about ourselves and what people perceive us are two different identities. And once we reach that self-actualization, we understand those two factors plus our purpose, our direction, and our vision in life. And that's how we define meaning when we come to that ultimate question, what is the meaning of life? That There's so much work behind that. And that's what we have to do. We have to put in the work. Nate, do you want to leave our audience with anything? Yeah, I would basically say no matter how you feel when you wake up in the morning, take a second to collect your thoughts. Don't reach straight for the phone. Don't turn on the television. Think to yourself, what would I like to achieve today? analyze to yourself if it's possible and how much you can put of yourself and that effort that you have into that plan. And even if you don't succeed, you do everything you can to make it happen. Because like I said before, you have everything to gain from trying and everything to lose from not trying. So no matter how bleak it may seem in the day and in the moment, take life by the horns and You don't know necessarily where it's going to lead, but it'll lead somewhere. And somewhere is always better than nowhere. Nate, I appreciate you coming on to your transformation station for this weekly uplift. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to your transformation station. Rediscovering your true identity and purpose on this planet. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Join us weekly on Monday for the YTS Challenge, and bi-weekly on Wednesday for the exclusive interviews at 8 p.m. Central Time. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at YTS The Podcast. We'll be back soon. Until then, this is your Transformation Station, signing off.